so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Right, hello everyone and welcome back to the Marseille View. Um, I'm your host, Ben tonight. Uh, Stefan and the usual crew are all busy with work. Um, and the new year and kids and all of that. So bit of um bit of a new lineup tonight. We've got um, a couple of guests joining us that haven't been on before, but that are listeners and that are part of our um of our crew here in the UK. So um watching the Marseille games together and, and chatting on WhatsApp all day. Um so they've kindly offered to step in tonight and they're gonna help me cover off the last four games. So the last four games, um we're gonna do it like we do sometimes, not really chronologically. We're gonna cover off the Coupe de France first. So the game against Hier and the game against Rennes from Friday night. And then we'll go into the last two Ligue 1 games that we played. So Troyes and Lorient. And then we'll cover off some transfer news at the end. So to help me with this tonight, we have another Stéphane. Not the usual Stéphane, but another Stéphane. Um, welcome to the show, Stéphane. Hi, thanks, Ben. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on here. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to, to have new people on, and, and when we struggle for members, sometimes um, anybody's welcome to join. Huh? Even listeners, if you guys want to want to join us one night and have have some banter with us, um, DM us, and we can we can make it happen if the time zones coordinate or if we, we're all free at the same time. But uh, Stefan, tell us a bit about you. What's um why OM and and what's your favourite memory? Well, as you can tell by my voice, I'm Welsh, and um, I grew up watching Swansea. Took a bit of a liking to Bafton B. Gomez. And when you moved out to Marseille, started to watch Marseille games and sort of carried on from there, really. Nice. So what what's so that was what, 2016, 2017? Yeah, the so, first so you're, game. You're, you're brand new. Yeah, you're a brand new fan. Wow, you, you, you're new to the agony and suffering. Yeah, and I'm starting to understand <laughs> it all. <laughs> um, yeah, first game I watched, we beat uh, San Etienne 4-0, uh, 2016, I think it was April, something like that. Oh, was that was that when, um, yeah, Gumis scored that amazing goal, didn't he, when he flicked it up yeah. and, and hit it? Yeah, 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 I remember that. Good memory. Nice, right, good memory. Um, and the other newcomer joining us tonight is Charles, um, classic, classic French boy. Um, no, no introductions needed as to why you support OM Charlotte. It's the biggest club in France, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, nothing <laughs> else to say. It's the biggest club in France, and yeah, biggest club in my heart since uh, 1991. Wow, long time. So, what you 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 can probably say? Well, you probably like me. You've got um, you've got sort of older memories, maybe. What's been your favourite memory? Yeah, so first football memory was actually Barry. So, I mean, like you just said, you Ouch. you started this club with Spain and then had the joy yeah. to, uh, to leave the trophy in 1993 and fell absolutely in love with a Croatian striker called Alan Boksic, if you remember. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, I was literally every Saturday watching the, uh, the video, you know, 
TF1 video of them, all the goal from the Champions League, and I was kind of a jumping in the living room imitating Alan Boxic's goals. So that's really nice. how it started. And uh, then never, I mean, I kept following Marseille, despite being born in Paris and raised up in Paris. I kept following Marseille against all my friends. And uh, yeah, I had the joy to meet a Croatian lady and fell once again in love with Croatia. And ultimate OM goal is to meet Alan Boksic on the beach in Croatia. I'm sure it will happen <laughs> at some point, but I get yeah, you my go there quite often, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's uh, yeah, my my wife is from Croatia, not too far from where Alan Boksic lives. So I'm oh, sure it's through, through friends and friends and connection to make it happen. I'm sure it will happen at some point. Um, yeah, but, you've, got, yeah. You've, got, you've got to make that happen, mate. But um, but quick, quick before we get in, interestingly, with with your background, and, and we're not going to let you get away with this because you, you, you were shitting all over him before the season started in the WhatsApp group. Um, <laughs> and you, you being man on the inside, that Croatian man on the inside, you were like, oh, I'm not convinced by Trudeau. Why have we gone for this guy? And um, And yeah, here we are. So... <laughs> so I, I'm just pleased to say I got it all wrong. Um, <laughs> We're all pleased you got it wrong. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I pretended to be the expert, blah, 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 I'm a Croatian, I know everything. He trained Iduk split. I was watching game of Iduk. He was shit football games. But actually, I guess you can say like managers can learn over time. And he has learned a lot and he's delivering now. So... Glad to say he's, uh, he proved me absolutely wrong on this. And please, every time we win, remind me of that. Oh, yeah, we, we, we'll never stop. And um, I'm sure your wife will be happy to hear that he's he's getting praise that he deserves, especially from you. Yeah, yeah, she will listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless her. Yeah, she doesn't have to, but uh, always nice. Right, let's get into the, the thick of it. Um, the cap, so it's no secret, right? I mean, we've not won the Coupe de France for well, over over 30 years now, almost 30 years. I think it's 28 years. Um, realistically, now the Coupe de la Ligue is gone. You'd like to think that it's probably our best shot at the, at the trophy um, every year. But every year we seem to shit ourselves against shit teams, um, whether they're amateur teams a couple of years ago, um, when Larguet was the coach, we, we just got embarrassed by Canet Roussillon. Um, last year, I uh, don't even remember. We've, uh, oh no, we lost miserably against Nice with Sampaoli. We, I think we went 1 0 up or something, and then we lost 4 1. It was one of our worst games of the season. Um, and so the, the dream ended very early on again. And But this time, another year, another dream of the group. So we, we played yeah, um a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday on a really dodgy pitch in Martigues. Um, it was Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. French time, I think, and the Fumigène were out. The atmosphere was a bit mental. Um, we came away from that with, with uh, I'd like to say, a pretty straightforward 2-0 win. Um, we weren't really threatened. They, they had a couple of chances in the second half, but um, we scored the goals. Uh, Sanchez, penalty, Panenka, and then Dieng, uh We'll go into more detail, but finally got the, the second goal and put minds at ease. But we um we were down to ten men. What did you what did you guys think of the game before we go into the um, the, the sending off and the goals? But um, Stefan, were you were you at, at any point worried that we'd we'd get humiliated by a lower league team again? Well, it's always in your mind, certainly before the game, um, and when Bailly decides to try and take the players' chest off, it never really. Uh, Fills you with confidence, but as soon as the um, Sanchez penalty 
was scored, there was no doubt about him, really. Yeah, I guess it's um, well, we, we uh, Charles probably echo you, and there's there's really not much to say about about what was a pretty dire game, but but let's get into the thick of it. I mean, that Bayi challenge, um, brainless, yes, accidental maybe, but but brainless, right? I mean, Charles, what what did you think, and and how did it affect the game? Yeah, I think it was an accident, uh, and that's why it could have been a tricky game, but. We had the upper hand and didn't let it go, which tells a lot about the mentality in that group. Um, you can be down to 10 men, something happened, but you bounce back, you play your game, and at the end, you have a pretty easy game. So, um, no, it was, I mean, we all got scared <laughs> when um, uh, Bailey made that tackle. I think it was an accident, to be honest. It happens all the time on the football pitch. It was just pretty, pretty bad. and. I mean, Bay is not a small guy, so yeah, a lot of injuries been after that. But yeah, I just like the mentality that the group showed during that game. It was maybe an accident, but they bounced back, stick to the game, and they delivered. So, uh, and that, yeah, I, I guess that tells a lot about yeah. what's going to happen in the future. Um, in the last four games, we're going to talk about like it was already the setup was already there, the mentality uh, setup was already professionalism. here. Professionalism, yeah, professionalism, commitment. I guess. Um, yeah, it's one thing, you know, you get Bailly sent off and even though it's a lower league team, you're still like, oh, we're down to 10 men. If they go for it, they could make life difficult for us. But that's, you know, when, when you have the luxury of being able to take off Cabori and put on Mr. Chancel Mbemba, who, who's unbelievable for us this season, um, it's just, it, it was like we were still playing with 11 men, right? The guy's just so good. Um, I guess it's just while we're on on the topic of Bailly, um We've seen, sadly, uh, he was obviously suspended straight away, but the, for some reason they didn't make the decision straight away the week after. They, they took an extra week, so he'd already missed two games. Um, and then it, we found out, when was it? Thursday, he's been suspended for seven games. Now, Stefan, excessive, righteous, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it, really. Yeah, I think it's a bit harsh, to be honest. You know, anybody who's played football can tell that he's he's gone for the ball, never really meant to injure the player that that badly, if if at all. Uh, and um, there's been incidents before where PSG, obviously, players uh, do a similar foul action, and it's uh, less of a punishment. Yeah, that was that was Ibrahimovic on the Ruffier a few years ago, um, and actually mm-hmm. the same the same weekend I think, Casri uh, for Montpellier against Nantes actually hit a, a, a Nantes player in the head with his boot, um, and he got he only got two games right, and it's like again I, I repeat it every every fucking week I get the impression on this show that I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist and stuff, but but it is it is starting to really piss me off, and and it's starting to add up that. There seems to be a different um, rate card for Marseille when it comes to these type of things. Sean, conspiracy or or was it just a really bad challenge? Yeah, I mean, I'm exactly like you. I feel like the whole f- French football association or the referee committee is kind of ruled by Olas and his friends. Um, I mean... I'm not going to start counting the number of penalties or whatever, but and also like I think Longoria mentioned it at his uh, at Malinowski press conference 
the fact that he was leaked to the journalist before being told to the club clearly show lack of kind of consideration for I mean if it's not the first the second game the second club in France so that's that's really bad as well so not only yeah not only is this kind of a the punishment is a bit harsh, but not talking to the club first in the middle of a winter mercato and leaking to journalists, that's really bad. So not conspiracy, but clearly a lack of consideration for the club. The, the usual bullshit, really, sadly. Um, just, uh, again, I, I do hate when, when we get into these sort of spirals on, on this show and, and in the chat in general, when I, I don't like bullying players, um, but but sadly, some of them don't give us a choice. Um, despite him getting the second goal, um, and, and it's sadly is going to be a recurring theme throughout this show because we're going to mention him in, in the very next game. But Dieng was shocking. Um, I think he, he, he slipped and fell over when he was clear through on goal after 10 or 15 minutes. Um, he missed two or three sitters in the second half where, again, he was through on goal um, and he puts it wide or hits it straight at the keeper, finally gets his goal. Um, but it, but let, we'll cover him off in more detail when we talk about Ren next, but that, that was frustrating, right? I think that even though we all tend to really like Dieng, he's not, he's not improving, is he? No, definitely not. He's... Um... He shows little glimpses of what could be a potentially good player, but he always seems to make more mistakes than promising because he'll be through on goal, it'll be a good pass through to him and he decides to back heel it backwards or just fall over the ball, like you said, and slip over. He just seems to be a bit uh, foolish, really. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the thing is that every time we, we kill him and we just feel like he's the worst striker or we pretty much stop having any hope for that player, we should sell him, he's bouncing back. So, I mean, remember with this failed transfer last day of the summer transfer window, he was bouncing back and he forced the club to sell Suarez. So now to me, it's a bit of the same situation. He was kind of exposed for not progressing for the last six months. He got a bit of game time. And I guess he didn't really made the best out of those minutes. But I'm pretty sure he's going to bounce back. So it's, it's, I really don't know how to think about this guy and having an opinion. You can see a glimpse of qualities and highlights, but never consistent. Sometimes he wants to work. Sometimes he wants to fight. Sometimes mm. he just doesn't want to be here. So just yeah i think the club didn't make it easy for for him but now it's kind of a, it doesn't make him make it easy for himself so so yeah we need to come up to a solution i think with with young yeah i mean it's it's frustrating because he that uh, one game you know monaco last year with sampoli you know, he, he was like samuel Eto reborn um the guy was on fire hit the post twice but then got two goals and, and kept playing really well but then, as you say, I think I think I can. We know he's clumsy, and we know he needs game time and stuff, and we could forgive him that. But I think uh, we'll get onto it now because we're going to talk about the Ren game. Um, the, the problem with the Ren game um, was was more his attitude, really, um, and that that is something you can't improve. And, and you're either there and you're full in, and you're fully invested, or you're not. So 
Beating, yeah, we got the draw. Um, typically, as in classic FFF fashion, um, every other team gets an easy draw. Um, PSG are currently playing, as we record, against um, some, some amateur team, Cassel. Um, and and we, we draw Rennes, which is not an easy game in any case, despite the fact that they've got Terrier out injured. But that game was on Friday night. Um, and quite reassuringly, I mean, I thought personally I was I was quite impressed. We were in the continuity of, of, of the last sort of um, all the games we've played since the restart, really. We, we, were, we were dominant. We created a lot of chances or, or half chances, certainly in the first half. But we were never really under threat. Um, and we came away with with a 1-0 win thanks to a goal from Genduzi. About time he actually scored a goal, really, because it's been a while and, and he, he, he's missed a few um chances in, in recent games as well but um yeah it was it, it was a pretty solid win against what's supposed to be uh one of our main rivals right i mean um steph did you did you what what you, were you do you feel the same were you impressed were you expecting more from ren maybe i was definitely expecting more from uh ren yeah i thought we we made them look like one of the amateur teams as if we'd had a good draw um certainly first half i thought we we were like bulls out of the gate straight at them attack after attack could have could have probably scored two or three goals in the first half really we we made them look very poor side Charles same same impressions yeah I think we had a solid game until the 65th 70th minute I mean I, I, I mean Rennes is a typical league one team working a lot around tr- offensive transition and we stood there, we put so many play, play, uh, players ahead of the ball that any mispass, you have a counter-attack, and with those guys like Bourijo or Douai, they can kill you with a counter-attack, but we've never had any threat for the first 65 minutes. So, And it was constant attacking and going left to right, right to left. It was really, really, really impressive. Um, but yeah, typically, as we do now with uh, Tudor, after 65, 70 minutes, you're questioning when is it time to get a sub in, not sub in, or you want to stick to your starting 11, but then you start dropping physically, lower block, and you consider a few opportunities. Lopez made one or two good saves. Uh, Veretu was everywhere to to get the ball. So we got to, I mean, it was a very solid result. Don't get me wrong. Winning at home against Rennes, I mean, two, three years ago, we'll be like, oh, amazing. I mean, that's such a great result. Um, but we want more, I guess. Um, but no, it was a very so. Yeah, we, it was a solid game. It's just one, once again, I think we we get up into the uh, starting to think like Longoria, Ribalta, and Tudor. We want to improve and get to perfection. So we just need to work on the in-game management now, and everyone mm. will be happy finally. <laughs> I, guess, I guess just to finish off the the Jeng topic. I mean, um, you, you mentioned it as well. It's basically we, yeah, we we were we were looking a bit jaded, a bit tired, um, and it's normal because it's um, yeah, it's. it's the intensity that's demanded from this pressing system and, and, and everybody's running non-stop and we have we have more or less used the same starting 11 consistently for the last six seven games now bar one or two changes but um yeah he brought Jeng on and I think I mean one thing that stuck to me was um stuck with me was sorry was um at some point I think that we lose the ball or something and, and Genduzi comes running up from midfield to press and that should have been Jeng and he sort of looks at Jeng and he just doesn't say anything he just looks at him as in you know you were supposed to press that, not me. Um, and it, I don't know, he was not. He was nonchalant. He was. He, he just. It didn't seem like he'd, he'd 
he basically realised he he'd come on and he had to um, he had to sort of press and, and get to get to the same speed as his teammates. Now, you know, we, we said the problem in the game before was was we know what he's like. He's um, he needs five chances before he scores one. But in this game, uh, it's just more that, that against a team of better quality, he needs to to play that defensive role and he needs to bring what Sanchez brings, which is chasing the ball down with defenders. Now. I, I saw, we, we all know social media and stuff, how quickly the wind can turn. And, and it's the first time I've actually seen the majority of social media go, fuck him. If the guy doesn't want to be here and he's not willing to, to kill himself for his teammates, then then let's sell him, right? Um, bit harsh, Stefan, or yes, it, it, it's, you can, again, as I said earlier, I think you can, the football thing he can get, I think he can improve with game time. But, but is, do you think he's got a, a motivation challenge or a, an attitude problem? It's definitely more than the um, attitude uh, lean. I can completely agree with you. And when he is playing the way that he is um, in games like the Red game, it's almost like playing with 10 men. Because like you said, playing with um, Gwen Doozy at the press, it's more work for other players. So it almost seems to be negative playing him when he's, certainly when he's playing like that anyway. Yeah, and especially when when it's not like we're three nil up or something like we're only one nil up at home to a good team, right? You've got to you've got to fight for it. You've got to be the first defender, right? And um, Charlotte is just to finish off on Deng. It's it, I think that's more concerning than than like yeah, when he misses four or five chances, we're used to that. But just his, his general just lack of lack of uh, interest in, in 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 his his appearance on the pitch was that that really annoyed a lot of people. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to wait for the end of this uh, transfer window again. Um, but once again, he's saying like, my idol when I was young was Alexis Sanchez. And you see the guy live at his age, running, working his ass off for 65 minutes and clearly showing the lead, like how you're supposed to press, to give them no time to turn. And he's coming, he's doing nothing. So... I mean, the guy is clearly not mentally here for the time being. There are talks, Lorient, I guess, Premier League and whatever. Plus, I guess, the club's pushing to to sell him. So he's not there at the moment. So he's useless at the moment, I think, till this transfer window closes. Um, we should not rely on on Dieng. Um, also, what on... I mean, I don't know if you wanted to spend further or a bit longer on that game, but... Yeah, we yeah, go for it. We change a bit the, the starting lineup. Bringing you know Tavares back after a suspension, Ballard on the right, Kolasinac on the central defense, and those guys know what to do. I mean, Malinowski have now two games; they know what to do. It looks like they've been fitting in the Tudor football forever, and you change the players, and they all do what they're supposed to do, which is pretty impressive. Um, we it's just 12, 13 players you can rely on, I guess, but that's pretty impressive that those 13 players are just all in and deliver when mm. expect to deliver so you can change the guys but they still put the put the efforts put everything in so you have to appreciate that i mean uh, tavares i mean we, we we moan about him um quite a bit sometimes and um you know he got he got sent off that's why he was suspended he got he got stupidly sent off um towards the end of um of the game away to Montpellier uh, three weeks ago but it's it's yeah it's like oh mate like he he's capable of brilliance. Like he, there were a couple of times in the first half, he went on the run. I think he nutmegged the player twice, and um, he was getting forward and he was in the box and stuff. So he he clearly 
gets his role, as you say, um, in, in this team. Um, I think that, that, you know, yes, mentally, if he if he works hard and, and improves his football IQ, I think we've, we've got a really good player for Ligue 1. I don't know about Champions League level or Europa League level, but he's shown that he can clearly be a threat um, and that he's got he's got ball, man. He's, he's a baller. Um, Stefan, is there, is there anyone else you want to pick out that, that you thought performed well? well? I definitely agree with you with um, Tavares. I thought he was probably our best player. He really looked to go forward. He was good with the ball. Like you said, he was getting up the defence very well. Uh, Bertu, I thought, also impressed me. He has impressed me for the last two, three, four games. To be honest, he's looked... He, he like got the assist, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't even think. He, did you? Did you think he had it in his locker to to run, make a forty-yard run, and get past Majer and then credit back? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think he had the legs in him for that. No, definitely not. You see what one month's holiday in Qatar can do to you. <laughs> it's rejuvenating, isn't it? It's like you. He probably spent the month in the clinic because he he played against Tunisia in the group stage, and that was it. Um, I guess uh, the, the only thing that I want to I want to um, highlight that that I was well happy impressed is at the word but I was happy for him it was um, Sanchez um, I thought he he um, you know he I mean w- w- he had a really good game against Lorient he scored an amazing goal we'll go into that in a minute but um but I just think he's he was one of those that I found struggled in the first few games back and um, I think he's now back into the rhythm that, that he had before the World Cup. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. He's uh, he looked a little bit slow getting back into it after the World Cup, like you said, but he's uh, he's coming back into his own now and showing his uh, experience and quality. And and uh, so, Charles, if you want to add something about Sanchez, but the, yeah, I was, the I was about to, go ahead. Yes, I was about to say it's the first name you put on the paper when you oh, when you yeah, think about. Sure. I mean, this is no it's a no brainer. The guy just leads from the front, right? Um, he, he presses the investment, the running, the attitude, the, the technical quality. Um, dare I say it again? Um, he's everything Payet should and could have been at the same age, but he's uh, he's just a, he's just a better player and I think a better professional. And he's he's hungrier than Payet has ever been in his career. But that's another debate. People will tell me that I'm uh, I'm, I'm bashing Payet again. So the last the last thing it's a little highlight. Um, did anybody else think that that, that Malinowski goal free kick was um, was going to smash the goal open like that? That was I can't remember the last time I saw probably probably Taiwo is the last player we've had that, that that has hit a free kick like that with his left foot. I must say no. Yeah, he nearly gave me a heart attack. I thought that was going to be uh, goal of the season or even push that award because the the power that he hit the free kick with and it was literally inches away from breaking that um, really. Yeah, he took a huge. I remember the commentator saying like he took a huge run up, didn't he? And then he just he just Taiwo style, Roberto Carlos style, just smashed it. Like that would have been proper like welcome to Marseille moment at the Villadorm as well, right? Oh yeah, definitely. It was the more the just running it and hit with all power. It almost seemed like there was uh, no technique, but there was obviously a bit of technique into it because the placement was almost perfect. Yeah, what is crazy on that free kick is that um, you, you see where the wall was kind of a keeper wanted to protect his right side and Maineski was like yeah I'm not having it I'm going to shoot on your face and on your side 
So I guess next, who are we playing next? We're playing Monaco. Uh, so I guess uh, Monaco, keeper will have to think twice where he wants to put his wall because it doesn't look like a wall or not having wall is going to impress the guy. So, uh, so yeah, so we are all rooting for that moment to happen and he already delivered. So now I just have to to put it in, for, in the net and it'll be perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's it. The, the direct free kicks are one thing, but this is this was something I was going to highlight as we move into to the Ligue 1 games in a minute. But um, I've been I've been really impressed with his corners as well. I think the the guy is a specialist clearly, and and I'm left-footed, so I've got um, a particular affinity for left-footed players already. But uh, it's it's yeah, it's just we, we're already a huge threat from from set pieces with Mbemba scoring lots of goals and Gendouzi scoring a couple from corners and stuff. But um, having someone that can deliver like that. Is, is surely going to be, um, even if it takes him a few weeks or games to, to get used to Ligue 1, the rhythm in, in the play itself, um, having that quality on set pieces is, is already a big step up for me. I think it's a huge improvement. Um, but we'll cover that often in a bit more detail when we cover the next two games. Just to finish on the cap topic, inevitably, somehow, um, probably predictably, but it's at the Velodrome. Marseille have drawn the winner of the Kassel PSG game. Um, right now, as we're doing this, I think PSG are three or four minutes up already. Um, so no surprises, really. It's going to be PSG at the Velodrome on the 8th of February, um, just before they play Bayern Munich, I believe, the week before. And then we're playing them uh, in Liga 10 days later before their return game against Bayern Munich. So... Certainly, I, I, it's, I hate calling these games because I, I always I'd like to have this mindset of I convince myself that we're going to get battered and then anything else is a bonus. But if I, I'd be really like um, uneasy if I was them because it's like it's, you know you've got the Champions League which is obviously their priority and, and you, it's not like you're playing Brest and, and Angers you're playing Marseille twice in between those games. It's it's not ideal, right? No, they've got a they've got a tough little uh, run of games because before the uh, first Bayern Munich game, and I think it's after our cup game, they have Monaco away in the league as well, which uh, and then Lille home. Sorry, uh, after the first Bayern Munich game, before we they play us in the league as well. So they've got uh, four or five tough games there. Charles, um, any, anything to add? Is it, is it worse yeah. for them or for us? Uh, I mean, it's Carnival as well in Brazil. So uh, <laughs> so I guess they're they going to have Neymar out for all those games. Uh, no, I guess it's, it's tough for them. I mean, they know we're a physical team and we're going to give everything uh, because potentially can challenge them for the title and we really want this cup. So I guess they're also not happy with the draw. Uh, and we play at home, so it's yeah, a must-win. Both, both games, yeah, both games at the Vell, and, and that's that's like a really fucking hostile environment. I mean, yeah, it, it, even though I'm I'm personally not expecting miracles or whatever, but we have closed the gap, I think, certainly in terms of the the, the players that we have now and, and the mentality, as as you said, Charles, like the investment of the players and the professionalism and the culture that seems to stem from from the top with Ribalta, Longoria, and uh, um, and Tudor, and yeah, it's it's, it's not going to be like when they played us when we had Rudy Garcia or when we had fucking Michel and got battered 5-0 we, we actually can cause them some pain and certainly um, cause them some troubles um, and, and possibly 
injure a few of their players, why not? At the very least, right? <laughs> Fuck up the Champions League um, ambitions. But that's that's the, the the reality is we're going to be playing them. So yeah, and, and, um, and there's no VAR in French Cup, so that yeah, might be an issue no as well. Yeah, yeah, it could be an issue. But but actually the VAR's pretty screwed us pretty the, the, the last few times we've played them in Ligue 1, so maybe that's a good thing for us. But I guess it's uh yeah, we could we could throw down the gauntlet. I think it's it's win or lose everything. It's winner takes all in there. If if you if you get a positive result from both games, um then Certainly for the cup, you knock out the, the, the main threats. Um, I think the other games as well, Lorient are playing Lens, uh, Lyon are playing Lille, so a few other big teams are going to get knocked out pretty quickly. So if, if we win against PSG, you, you would like to think we've got no excuse to not go all the way, really, because we will have knocked out the, the biggest threat to us to win this trophy. So let's hope, let's pray, and uh, let's go back to Ligue 1. So in Ligue 1, after year, we went away to Troyes in midweek. I think, Charles, you, yeah, you came to the bar. That's one we watched with Alex and everybody at the bar. Um, it was, it was, I think it was the first proper night back for everybody in London in, in our little crew watching the game together. Um, lots of Ricard was heard. Um, everybody was quite pissed by the end. But pretty, pretty easy win again. You know, we weren't really threatened. Um, Malinowski's first game, um, he 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 did well. I think he got a he got a good delivery. Um, well, sorry, no, he came on and got booked straight away for for even though he didn't touch the, the opposite the opposition player. But um, so he only had ten games. I'm getting mixed up with the the Lorient game. He only had ten minutes. Sorry, so that was his first taste of Liga action with a Marseille shirt. Um, but yeah, we were pretty solid. Then Bemba scores again. Um, we we get a second goal very quickly just after the half time with Veretout. Um we never looked in danger again, did we? I mean Steph did it's 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 tedious almost, but it's like the continuity of our good form recently. It was um it was a pretty well managed game, right? Yeah, and the thing that impressed me the most in the Toir game was probably although we didn't have a lot to do defensively, we never really looked like giving much away at the back, which is credit to the tactics and system by Tudor. Um, I thought the fans were outstanding. I could hardly hear the commentators, to be honest. They were uh, they, they were loud for the whole 90, 95 minutes or whatever it was. Um, we could have easily, again, like I said about the Ren game, could have easily had another two or three goals, potentially. Could have been a bit of a banana peel with uh, Twa having a new manager, I think he was he was unbeaten before uh, we played them, and like you said, another comfortable, but just another one of those games. Charles, same same thoughts. Uh, yeah, and that was an impressive win uh, because I think we just had three or four days between. Uh, yeah, and Troyes, and you're away, it's a midweek yep. game in Champagne, so it could have been tricky, but yeah, no, solid. We scored another goal on the set piece. Uh, I mean, how many goals got Temamba now on, on free kick, on corner, it's, when Kentus is like... He's the second to... top scorer. <laughs> it's we should play him as the, as the striker, shouldn't we? It's unbelievable. The guy's on but fire. How many times did you do that? Like, this guy running into the front post... Quick header to the far post where Mbemba is waiting for the ball. It happened like like three, four times. I think and, it's the third time, yeah. And like, so species, are, you can see they're working and practicing them. 
um, at the training. They're working hard at the training, even on small details such as set piece, which is great that they deliver now during the game. So it's it's a uh, it's a virtuous cycle you want to be in, and they're definitely in. And then yeah, second half you start again. Maybe they're gonna come back. You're still a bit cold, fresh legs. Bang, virtu to nul, game over. See you in uh, in five days. So. So yeah, we could have enjoyed our Ricard and at the bar and <laughs> spending less time focusing and being scared in front of the screen. So, um, and everyone delivered yeah, guess, again. Cabaret delivered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The under was outstanding at that game. I don't know if and, you were been on fire, more. hasn't he? Yeah, but we'll, yeah. we'll cover that off when we do the takeaways just after the, we finish the games. But he has been one of our star performers. He's, he's unreal. Yeah, under that under game was just he was everywhere. Like when Maynovsky came, he moved to for the first time to the right foot back position and was outstanding. Uh, and remember, Gay had a very good game against Sierre and bringing back Veretout and just like why is he starting Veretout when Gay has such a great game? But like Veretout was uh, yeah, I'm the one starting, not Gay. So no, it's it's uh, it was a great game, very solid game again. Before we we move on to the next game, Stefan, because you, you you were the one who highlighted it just before Veretout, you know, he got, he got, it's it's nice to see him in the goals, but um, it, yeah, he's just he's just he's got it right. I think I, I was one of his uh, his main critics when he joined. I was like, what is he bringing? And he seems to have found his feet now, um, and he's certainly you can see the, the the combination with him and Rongier. Rongier is probably the more you know the ball winner, um, the, the guy who sits back and tracks back and stuff, but. Veretout doesn't hesitate. He gets in the box. Um, he can spray a pass around. Um, do, do you want to say a quick piece on on what you think his overall improvement has been recently? Yeah, well, like you said, I'm, uh, I agree with you. When I wasn't really impressed first, uh, maybe two or three games with him, uh, I thought maybe him and Rongier together, sort of two, two similar players. I didn't think it'd really work. But like you said, he's... He's advancing, he's confident to get into the box. He likes to go forward a lot more than Rongier, which works with them two in the middle. And uh, as I said before, the last few games, he really has come into his own. He looks really confident and that's good for us, obviously. Yeah, I guess that's that's about it on the, on the Trois game. Um, one, one thing that was good about the Trois game um, that was out of our control completely, but all of our rivals drew... Um, or lost the, that night. Um, Rennes drew, Lens drew, I believe, as well. So we, we were able to close the gap on them. Um, Monaco didn't win either. So that was, for once, we, we capitalised on that. Um, but yeah, it was uh, a that, solid win. And, and again, that was win number six in the series. And we will now go on to win number seven, which was Lorient before the Rennes game. So Rennes was actually our eighth win in a row. Um, but Lorient, again, it, that that had um, you know pitfall written all over it because they've been a good team. Um, they were second for large parts of, um, of of the season just before the World Cup break, and then they, they had a bit of a, a stumble um, before the, before the World Cup. But they've been one of the surprise packages, and, and Enzo Lefer, we, we we've we've covered them a few times here, and. Could be a potential good signing, or certainly we, we could do with we've taken an interest in him. But he he had a really good game against us. Uh, Muffy scored a great goal, so we went one nil down at home at the Vélodrome, and you sort of think, oh great, we've not been behind for a while. How are we going to deal with this? 
Um, but we didn't give up. And testament, you know, can only praise the turnaround that's happened in this club in the last two years, like the players we signed and, and their professionalism and th their togetherness and the fact that they just don't give up and they trust themselves and they trust the system and they believe in the coach that we're just going to keep playing our game and we'll get back into this. And we equalised through, through uh, Kolasinac, who's, again, been inevitable recently. Um, he's been on fire. Uh, Under got the assist for that. He's, again, was, was decisive in that game. Um, Sanchez got an amazing goal. Um, you know, he played again he, a difficult game where he, he didn't get a lot of service and he, he plays with his back to goal. But um, but he, he did quick quick turn and, and shot on on, on the uh, half volley in, in the box to get the second goal um, just after half time. And then uh, yeah, it was just plain sailing from there. We we again Lorient didn't threaten us. They didn't look like they had the legs or the, the just the, the capability to come back into the game. And we got we got the third goal, and that was game over very quickly. So, um, do, do you guys have anything to add, Charles? Anything to add about the the, the game itself, yeah. the performance? Yeah, it's something I also wanted to to add about the trois game. Um, but I mean, it just it was just perfection against Lorient is the fact that, I mean, I guess um, in the first half, the kind of uh, the tactical, the tactics were really rigid. The players have to stick to their positions. And I guess uh, kind of uh, the, the time they spent together um, during the World Cup, Tudor has really made these tactics more smooth and fluid. So, and we could see that because now he believes in 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 Ranger and and Veretout, and Lorient was really packed in the central areas, giving us space on the on the wings, and Tudor was like, "Oh, you give us the wings? Okay, I'm going to take that." And so our central defender was just throwing on the wings, adding another guy, and even if they are defending middle at some point, you need to take the guy which is running on the wing, offering a lot of space or opening the space for the guy in the middle. And I think Alex Sigol is exactly that. I think it was Chico who attacked that space on the left side. And then, yeah, and then amazing f finish from, from Sanchez. But I guess in the first half, Chico would have probably not made that run or at least would not have been compensated by Veretout and Rongier and would have lost the pressure and would have to start again building up the momentum. But like trois games and Lorient game, once we are high, on the pitch, the counter-pressing is outstanding. And we build up again on the momentum and we build up on momentum and we build up on momentum until they crash. And that was, I mean, the long game to me was the best game we ever had under Tudor. At some point, I mean, I think in the group we mentioned Bielsa game, but that was exactly the same feeling of constant attacking. Physically, you're here. Physically intense. And it's yeah, just, it's just unstoppable, it, relentless. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the word, relentless. Until the end, literally until the end, it was 90 minutes of that. So, and Lorient is not an easy game because they're playing on transition and Enzo Lefe is so good at that. But yeah, we just smash them. Simple as like that. So that's clearly a picked up uh, for, I mean, to me, that's something I will remind for the first, I mean, since we're back from, from the break is the team has evolved tactically and it's just brilliant to watch. Yeah, it's, it's it's just it's just where I come. I think Deschamps personally was the the last period that you just you just had this confidence, right? You 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 get ready and get geared up to watch Marseille, and you just sort of knew that 
no, we, we, yeah, we're going to pull this off. We're going to win, and, and we're just so good at the minute that it's going to have to take something really exceptional for us to, to shit ourselves and not continue playing the way we've been playing. And it's just that serenity that, that is going on. It's it's a bit of a foreign feeling for Marseille fans uh, because we've not had such a good run for for a while. But um, it's nice, and we, we you know we have to enjoy it really. Um, and and yeah, I think you you got it right. Um, I guess. We've, we've touched on Dien, sadly, because he's the odd man out at the minute, but, but Gigo has been amazing the last few games. Bellardi's probably been uh, quieter, and, but he's not done anything Bellardi-esque. He's not cost us a goal or anything. He's been he's been all right. But, uh, Stefan, I mean, can, can you pick out anybody that you think isn't isn't up to scratch over the last four games apart from Dien? I think everybody's playing their part, right? Yeah, I completely agree with you in the in any other way or another, uh, other than Jiang, I think everybody's been above par, and I agree with everything you said about the Lorient performance, and if it wasn't for sort of one or two world-class saves from uh, Manoni, is it, the Lorient goalkeeper, uh, and Gigo's open goal, we, we, again, we could have had another good few goals, and we could have made it look daylight between uh, a good Lorient side, really. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. I mean, they they yeah, it was just nice. I mean, to to beat Lorient and Rennes in in, in quick succession, um, which are two two teams that are potentially were, were vying with us, <coughs> sorry, competing with us for for top top three or top five certainly. But they're they're the type of teams that give us difficult games usually, and um, we we come out unscathed really. There was there's real no real threat no real danger in either game apart from yeah you go go down to Lorient and, and they did have a couple of chances after that but again you just have this overarching belief that we're, we're going to get away with it and we, we're going to come back and equalize and then we're going to go for the win especially at the middle of the minute I think I think this season is the first season in a long time where we've been so dominant at home like we're just we're just teams are actually scared to come and play because they know that with a system like ours as well, we like to explo- exploit and attack the width. Um, and it's just, yeah, we've, we've, I think we've got probably one of the best home records in, in Europe um, so far this season. I can't, when did we drop points? Um, I think we there was a draw, wasn't there, earlier on in the season? Lost um, to Ajaccio. Yeah, we lost to Ajaccio. Sorry, that was it. So we lost to Ajaccio, but that's probably our only only non-win at the Villodrome. Uh, loss as well. So those, those two games and loss, quite frankly, is, is a game we, we deserve to win for. If you replay that game 10 times, we win nine times out of 10. But um, every, I just mean the performance, apart from Frankfurt in the Champions League, I think that's our worst performance at home this season. But the players know that, that we expect at the Villodrome and they know exactly what, what they have to do and they know that the, the fans are going to push them and carry them. So... Um, there's there's that that sort of extra 10% of madness that, that is added by us, the 12th man in, in stands that the players are responding to and, and certainly embracing. So that covers off the, the games, the results, a bit of analysis. But I, I think just to get from you guys, and I'll, I'll go last. But if you had to if you had to sort of summarise or give an overview of, of your main um, main takeaway or your main thoughts um that you take from the games we've just covered what what would it be um Charles you go first yeah you just mentioned Deschamps uh, but Deschamps was called bloodied you know that the talent will make a difference because we had talent yeah, it's at just, that it's time. pragmatic right yeah it wasn't it wasn't the same but it was just you just knew you had the quality players that would get you the result it's different here it's 
beyond the players, yeah, the system is is more important. I agree. Yeah, it's a whole group, but and so when you have you have very, I mean, I can't really remember how many times we had such symmetry between the crowd, the top management, the players, the coach playing under the club philosophy, which is droit au but. It's exactly that. It doesn't happen every time. Like I said, I started following Marseille in 1991. Maybe at that time, maybe a bit in League Two, but it was a different level. And obviously with BFSA, in my opinion, a bit with Gareth, but these are good times. So we should just really enjoy and just enjoy the football there. Um, I mean, I just can't wait for the next two ball game. So... It's uh, to me that's what I will take from those four games is that our Marseille is back and this is good times, so we need to enjoy it. Steph, you? Yeah, well, it's the, probably the best time to be confident, and we should uh, appreciate the good times while they're here because we're on a really good run at the minute. Like you said, the the attacking sort of free flowing football seems to be really really good. Not as focused on possession as maybe Sam Poli was last year. Um, and it's cer- certainly benefiting us with the fact that we're scoring goals, but we're also we're not really conceding many either. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I agree with both what, what you're both saying. It's, um, yeah, it's just we, we're on the good run of form. Um, I think the only thing I'd add personally is, is that my main takeaway is that, and, and I think we've mentioned this when we did the last show, um, Alex Stefan, the other Stefan and I, the real Stefan, no offence. Um, <laughs> but um, no, what we, I think what we'd mentioned was, um, yeah, and uh, Rongier, Veretout, um, Kalasinac, those guys, um, some of them were at the World Cup, but, but three of them weren't. And they, they, they seem to be our main sort of top performance consistent to, consistently um on form and decisive, and and it's I think that's that's the, the main takeaway I take I have got from the, the last four games is that they're going from strength to strength, and um, we we have a, a starting eleven that, that just gets the job done and does the business, and all of those players are playing their part, and I don't expect it to last all season, right? I mean, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll maybe have um, a period where he's a bit more tired, and hopefully that would that won't be the case um, compared to last year because there's there's no midweek games with the, no European Cup anymore, but Kolasinac, I don't, I don't expect him to be this good for the rest of the season, but he's he's had a solid season so far. So I think that's my takeaway is that I'm I'm really satisfied, and I was worried. I remember calling it before the World Cup break. I was like, "Fuck, you know what? What are these guys? How are they going to respond? Because if we've got, they weren't getting much game time. Um, well, Kolasinac was, but Under, for example, was was in and out of the team, and Rongier was out of the team just before. Um, he played two games just before the World Cup, but he was out of the team for two or three weeks before that, and it's like. How are these guys going to respond? Because if they're if they're looking at it going shit, you know, we're not going to get as much game time because there's not as many games. And the opposite of, of what I predicted, and I'm, I'm glad to say that I, I I got it wrong and they've proven me wrong, is that everybody seems to be involved, motivated, and um, everybody's even the subs except for Jeng, you know, when they come on or, or when they have a role to play, Genduzi, Malinowski, those guys, everybody's doing their job, and and it's a well-oiled machine, and it's. It, it, we are we are scary. I think Marseille is, is now again scary for for all of our opponents. They know they're going to have a really difficult games against us. And many of the coaches in recent weeks have praised Marseille and, and Tudor and gone shit. You know they they really 
press you non-stop they'd never stop running and it's it's really difficult to play against that so yeah so far so good um credit to to the coaching staff but credit to the players for, for being motivated and invested and and making this dream because um just to finish off on Liga, uh we're only five points off PSG and, and two points off loss and um, we've, we've created a bit of a gap with, with the fourth place team. I think it's Monaco or Rennes who are now six points behind us or seven points behind us. So can, you know, a bit, bit of a banter question, really. We won't, won't hold you to this, but but can we dream about maybe challenging for the title, Charles? Um, it's up to them to lose it, to be honest. Um I don't want to be a party pooper, but it's up to them to lose it. Uh, they're going to have a tough game. See where they are in February after the burn game. Um, but I'm pretty confident now that if they don't deliver and if they don't want the title or they fucked up and not and drop more points, we'll be there. You know, it happened so many times. In the, I mean, so many times. It happened three times since Qatar arrived that they were ahead and then Lille and Monaco came. It's just like, why should I be in Marseille? Well, I'm pretty sure this season, if it happens and Paris Saint-Germain drops point, we'll be there to win the title. So uh, at least I'm happy to be in that position. And we're just waiting, contemplating them, contemplating their loss in Champions League. And we'll be there to take the title if they can't win it. So it's a good position to be. Stefan, same optimism? Yeah, why not? You know, five points, as long as we can sort of keep it within the five points or even a little bit less before we play them. It's almost like a do or die when we play them at the Velodrome in the league then, because if we can beat them, it's a three-point advantage over them straight away. And there's absolutely no reason why we can't keep up this uh, run of form, especially with how well-oiled the machine is, like you said and with how good every player is. Yeah, and, and also taking into account by then, we would have played Monaco twice already. Um, we would have played we, we, yeah, we, PSG twice once we played them, and then it leaves just Lens, Lyon and, uh, and Lille that we have to play again. Um, but yeah, they're a bit more spaced out after that, the bigger games, so we can, we can keep, keep getting the points on the board in between. Those those confrontations. So um, I I want to believe. I really want to. Um, the, the the realist in me says no. You know they're going to let you down. But I think yeah, Charles, you're right. This is the last few years when this happened. Marseille, we were miles behind. We were nowhere near Monaco. We were nowhere near Lille a couple of years ago. We were struggling uh, when San Paoli arrived and Longoria took over the club. We remember the state of things back then. We just burned down the training centre for fuck's sake. But um. Montpellier, yeah, for the first time, bloody hell, yeah, Montpellier winning the title. Yeah, fucking hell. But, but for the first time, I agree with you. We we are on embuscade, as we say in French. We, we're in we're in the mix. We're we're not ten points behind. Um, we, we're there. We're on the. We're probably the most informed team in the league right now. Um, and yeah, PSG clearly they 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 struggled away from home. Um, so they they lost their two last away games, right? They lost in Lens and they lost to Hen away from home. So if they can do it, why can't we get a result against them at the Villadorm once or twice when we played them in a few weeks? So it's, yeah, this is the best position, the best chance we'll have a, a challenging property for the title um, until until next year, hopefully, and, and it becomes a consistent feature. But I think this is, this is 
potentially our moment to to if they slip up and shit themselves this is our chance i agree and i think maybe to help you with your transition uh, it looks like the senior management also believes we can challenge or we're not too far from challenging by Saint-Germain because it looks like they are throwing some big money into transfer i mean you do malinowski that talks about mofi we missed out on trossard so i guess they also believe that it might happen and they are keen on trying to if they can so it's also like we are ambitious which once again it doesn't happen exactly when's the last time this happened and and we actually beyond having cash when's the last time the um i mean i i was you know i was very pleasantly surprised and and i I follow arsenal here so i was happy that he's still gone to, to arsenal but um for the, the fact that his agent came out and said, yeah, we, we were we were close to signing with Marseille and then Arsenal came in and, and offered us more money and my client preferred to stay in, in the Premier League anyway. But um, just just the balls, the balls that we have now, you know, the credibility that, that these players were even talking to us. Like two years ago, that was unthinkable, man. We were, we were, we were signing clowns three years ago. Like, and now we, we've, so, we've, we've got proper players and we've got proper convincing projects. Um, and we're credible and, and we didn't shit ourselves too badly in Champions League. So it's put us back on the map a little bit. And it's, it is a nice feeling. Um, and again, I want to believe with all my heart that it's going to last. Um, but it's, it's not over until it's over. So we'll, we'll keep dreaming. Um, and that, uh, you've, yeah, you did well, Charles. You've introduced the, the transition to the, the final topic of the night, which is the transfers. Um, and it's been a bit odd. I mean... It, Usually we're used to, to there being 10 rumours a day, right, aren't we, with, with OM, but it hasn't been the case. And um, Malinowski was already on the cards and stuff, and then it, it sort of came out of nowhere that we'd closed the deal and we closed it for a really good price as well. Um, I think Stefan and, and our guests covered that last week, thankfully, in, um, in, in a short episode we did where we, we, we picked him apart. So thanks again to the guests and, and Stefan for doing that last week. But Seems like we could have another one with Illich, um, which is one of Trudeau's proteges from uh, from Verona. Now, 21, um, seems like a good player, good prospect. He's been supervised by Liverpool, by Milan, by um, by a few other decent teams in the, in the last sort of 12 months. So, but I, but I think what, from what I've understood, we, we're signing him and leaving him there until June, and then he joins us in June, which is again, it, it's. It makes sense. I guess you don't want to disrupt the harmony of a winning squad right now. Um, and we certainly don't. We've got enough numbers in midfield, but it, it's it's an exciting signing, right? Um, it's a young talent, Serbian. He's rated. Um, Stefan, first, I, I'll ask you two questions each and, and I'll get both your answers for this. But the first question is, um, are, you, are you happy that we're targeting a, a young sort of potential star in the making and also... Do you think it's to replace someone? I'm certainly happy that we're looking at uh, sort of younger, promising players as well as the experience, like we've seen with uh, signings of Sanchez and, and Bemba, who have been outstanding. Um, it does seem like it will be to replace, I think, Gwendozi. Uh Certainly, with it being in the summer, maybe we're holding out for a bigger offer from potentially a bigger club for Guendouzi and then when Illich comes in it's a straight swap almost but I'm certainly happy with the optimism uh, and just the fact that we seem to be competing for a lot higher standard of players in the transfer market 
Same yeah. question, Charles. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm very happy. I mean, two, three years ago, at the same time, we are signing at this position Olivier Encham. Sorry, Celtics fan, but he was not a great player. <laughs> he was, a great player. Come on. <laughs> he was not a great player. Uh, and now we're signing one of the hottest prospects in midfield in Serie A. Looks like he was followed by a lot of clubs, like you said. I read a lot of scouting reports. Obviously, this is bias. The guy just loves the player when he's scouting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he looks like at his best if he's, everything goes well. He could play at Nemanja Matic level in the same time. Long guy, can collect the ball, can recycle the ball, clean the ball, move forward. Very elegant uh, with the ball. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. I think he's more likely to be a replacement for, for Pape Gay. I think Pape Gay got one year or two years left in his contract. 18 months. Yeah, 18, 18 months, months, yeah. yeah. I think Jeng too, yeah. Yeah, you know how it works with Longoria. If you don't renew, you're out. So I guess they are planning Papege to left to leave, sorry. Um, and I guess the money is maybe is coming from Gendouzi transfer. You may be right. Um, but it looks like I mean decent price, 50 million for such a talent. I mean, let's see if we can develop players. That's always a question on Marseille. And I'm sure Alex will say like we can't get those players, we can't train them, we can't develop them. Maybe now we have the right platform with the right staff to do so, and we can take on those players and those. Players can be ambitious as we are. So so it's a pretty good sign. And regarding the timing, you have the optimist way, which is like, finally, we have a, a sporting director which is planning in advance, therefore it's great. And you have the pessimist side of me, which is like, we they know we're going to get a ban from the UEFA and they're doing their shopping early. So, uh, but at least we've done it, we're doing it. So. It's, it, yeah, it's, fucking yeah. It's better. It's better than Ero um, not signing anybody and then acting like um, like his his mother's been shot and totally shocked. Oh, what do you mean we've got a ban? It's like, mate, come on. Your it's, job it's was because, to plan for every eventuality, right? You know. It's because Zubizarreta doesn't take phone calls on a Sunday. That's why. Yeah, well, that's that's probably <laughs> one of the reasons. But um, <laughs> but I guess I, I agree with both of you. And um, I mean. It, it, it's good. It's the talent. I'd, I'd like to think a bit smarter than that. And it's. I think this is where, you, it, let's not lie, Diouf was good at this as well because he was an agent, right? You need to build these networks with, with the bigger clubs. And um, if you want to become a sort of seller club like Monaco are and stuff, what did Monaco do? What was Compos really good at? Why did they sell Bernardo Silva and Fabinho and all those players were really, really expensive? It's because they, they once they, they, they get them and they're on the radar, they build relationships with the other clubs that have been supervising them. And they say, right, guys, well, you know what? He needs um, a, a club tremplin, as we say in French. He needs a stepping stone club. We'll take him for a couple of years. Um, but keep watching him and we'll keep talking. And we'll give you, you know, we'll give you first dibs if you if you keep an eye on him and you are interested in him. But we, this is how much we're going to want. And um, unless he turns into Zidane 2.0, then, you know, 30, 35 million as long as we double our money and we do this every couple of years on one or two players, then then that's a, that's a good system for Marseille. Um, and if especially if we keep replacing our, our, our players that leave so well, and we keep getting lucky, then it's a no-brainer to do this. But that certainly helps. I think I think Longoria is doing that, and Ribalta is certainly doing that. Um, and and Italy is their preferred market, and and they're building those bridges there, so that's good. But you sort of both alluded to it now. There's been rumours, um, seemingly according to Mohamed Bouafsi, unsubstantiated, but 
there's never any smoke without fire, I think. And, and we also know the tendency that Premier League clubs have to be stupid in, in the last few days of the, the, the transfer windows and come in with ridiculous offers. There have been rumours that there's an interest from Aston Villa, and I saw today as well from West Ham for Gendouzi. Now, um, what it's 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 always a difficult topic, and but it's nice to be in this position. Is do we do we go full capitalist and say even though we like Gendouzi and we rate him um, 35, 40 million, this is the whole point of this project, and this is how you make it sustainable? Is you, you can't say no to that, can you, Steph? Uh, certainly not. No, you know, um, he may not be, or some people may not think he's worth that much as a as a player. But certainly to us, with how important he is to our system and how good a player he is in this league, we should certainly be asking for that extra five, ten million euros. And like you said, once it gets to the thirty-five, forty million mark, you can't really turn it down. To be honest, despite how good a player he is. Same, same, Sean, or are you one of these pro Gendouzi, his club captain, he's going to do the rest of his career in Marseille? What do you think? I mean, you got the experience with uh, with Douye, Chalet Atsar. You've been waiting six months and the offer never came back. And it's it's Liverpool. It's not West Ham or Aston Villa. Sorry, uh, West Ham or Aston Villa fans. Um, but yeah, question is, do you think... His peak value is now, probably in six months' time. Given the setup, I think it's probably in six months' time. We can wait. And you don't want to disturb the group now. He's clearly a leader in the changing room. So I think the offer will come back anyway in June. So I'm um, team keeping for another six months, and the offer will come back for sure in um, in June. Yeah, I get, well, I guess it's, um, I, I agree with you. I'd, I'd be very surprised unless someone came along with 45 or 50 million that we, we'd say yes in, in this period in the season. But um, do, do you sort of, do you, do you get the gist of, of, basically, are you agreeing with, with my point? It's like, is it, even though it's Gendouzi and is a fan favourite, this is the way we need to, to, to work, right? And this is, it doesn't matter who they are because the, the club is the club and the club's more important and the players are only here to, uh, passage but um yeah this is how it's got to be like we can't you can't complain if someone comes along and, and offers above market value for, for a player that potentially could um could go could be shit next season we don't know right so as you say Charlie you've got to sell them at their peak um but is is he one that you would definitely try and hold on to or is it is it just we have to be realistic and we have to look at this as as a, as a big transfer for the club I mean, you, Steph, go first if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, like you said, you will. We'd love to uh, keep him and not have to worry about the finances. But at the end of the day, when an offer so big comes in, like you said, we're not really in the position to kind of keep on saying no and trying to keep up these players because I and we don't know if it was uh, true, but there was the rumours about the offers from Man United for uh, Gerson on, in the summer and then he ends up going for a lot less than what the offer was meant to be but you know, we can't really we can't really hold on for too long as much as I'd maybe like to wait until the summer but uh, other than that we kind of we have to accept it I think 
especially as we're, we're replacing him um, with uh, another, sadly not Croatian talent, Shal, but he's, uh, he's, he's Serbian, right? Yeah, he is, uh, but at, um, alas, um, it's a Croatian coach who brought him to Italy, uh, Juric, who is now Torino manager. And actually, I think we just managed to win the beat against uh, Torino. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, he was. He, uh, he played with Chido last last year, didn't he? So um, he's because uh, there was talk. Who was that? That left back, I think, or inverted left back that we, we were talking about signing in the summer from Verona. We didn't, but clearly there are. He's got his generals and his players that he likes there, and I I think he's earned the right if he wants one player, and this this makes sense, right? He's 21, he's future star in the making potentially. So I, I like the look of this. Really, I trust Chido on this. He's earned that trust. Yeah, you talk about Lazovic, right? That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I remember that. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, contrary to me, also previous years, with the likelihood of us going back to Champions League is pretty high. And you can be like, you know what, there are 30 million waiting for us in the summer. We are not that desperate to sell Gendouzi. So if Villa or West Ham really wants him, it's not 30 million, it's more 40 to 50 million. If it's just 30 million, we have now the luxury to wait and be like, maybe in six months time, the offer will come back. So, um, yeah, yeah as the, much as I guess. Much as the, uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, that's why I think there's where the position is standing at the moment, just like 30 million. Okay, it's good, but that Champions League pot for next season, so probably going to be there. So we don't need that money. So you want, you really want it? It's 40, 50 million. Yeah, especially at this time in the season. But um, we'll see. We'll see. We, we know that it can get crazy. And, you know, if it is 40 or 45 million and we sell him, then great. Because that's above market value and, and it's worth and, it. But if we can hold on to him, ideally we do, right? And at least we know with Longoria and Ribolta, they must have a list of 20 names with all the agreements being done with the club <laughs> and the players. So we'll get a backup. Worst case scenario. Indeed. So I'm not sure. Yeah, that brings us on to the last rumour of the night, which is an interesting one. It's developed. Um, now, Stefan and um, and Thomas, big fans of this guy. Um, I like him, but not at, at some of the prices that I've seen quoted for him. But the Terem Murphy rumour is is now gathering pace. Um, now, there's there's a version, apparently, that we're trying to include Dieng in the deal. And that would make sense because they were interested in, in him in the summer. Um, and it may be lowest the price, but um, I like this type of player. Um, again, without going into to, to the over analysis of what happens to to Alexis, does he take does he does he go back into a number ten role next to Malinovsky or next to Genduzi? Um, but but does he does he go back down? Um, surely, if if you if you sign such a statement player and and, and he's been on form as well this season, it's to start right. So. Do we like this rumor? Do we? Because um, because there was also reports that. We, we weren't in the market for number nine, um, but apparently the, the Dieng situation over the weekend and, and something must have happened there that, that both, all parties are now open for him leaving and it's not going to work out. I think people have accepted that at the club maybe, but um, Stefan, do you like the look of this? I'm certainly a fan of the rumour and um, if we can knock a bit of the cash off by um, offloading Dieng the other way, I certainly wouldn't be opposed. Um, I agree with you. I think that we would have to uh, drop uh, Alexis a bit deeper next to somebody like Under or Guendouzi. Um, but the only problem is with the situation at Juventus. You know, if we end up having 
Milik back? Do we not buy more fee or do we sell Milik to somebody else for a bit of a fee? Yeah, I guess that yeah, that's an interesting uh, one way of looking at it, I guess. But but it, if you if you offload Deng, then you've still got only sort of two two strikers in the squad, haven't you? So um, it's sort of it's this, it, it's not like you've got an extra man in there. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get rid of Milik in some shape or form. Um, Charles, do you, are you for this? Do you think again we we had this debate, I guess, with Alex and Stefan last time, but. Um, uh, even though we signed yeah, Malinowski, you, do we still need a nine or do we need a ten? I think given the latest development with Jiang and what we've seen for the last four games, I think we can no longer rely on him. Um, so if we can put Jiang in a deal and getting Mofi, I think it's a great piece of business. Um, looking at the players as well, I mean, I'm looking at these defensive stats, it looks like. It's not that bad in terms of tackles, tackles and interceptions. So he can, I mean, he got the physicality. If he wants to press high and press hard like Sanchez, they're going to work well. And at least that gives an additional option for uh, for Tudor, which kind of a, at the moment is limited. Sanchez has to start. He has to start as a number nine. There is no other option. So at least he gives flexibility for the manager to do uh, a something different like he did with under and Malinowski, you know, trying under on the right back. So um that's I think that's a good piece of business. But yeah, if we can include Jiang, that's uh, has to happen. Without Jiang, 15, 20 millions. Start jeopardizing the future and the cash flow uh, that we have. So I will question the deal. Um well, it, it depends, again, um, back to if you take this potential ban into account, then maybe we can't sign players this summer until we're signing them now. But um, I guess that, yeah, the, the, the rumours I've seen in the last couple of weeks have been that they're holding out Lorient won 25 million cash and there's been rumours of, of Leicester and um, Wolves and a couple of other Premier League clubs interested, which always makes it complicated for us to compete with, right? Um, no bonus? Uh, it could be, it could be one of those, but... Uh, because you know, any, the like, owner of Lorient yeah. is the same owner than Bournemouth and Design. Well, they've signed Wattara, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to sign Luffy, so I guess for him it's pretty easy to switch player from one club to another. Well, it could be, but the, the, does he want to go there? So that's that, you have to take this into account. But, but in any case, it complicates things for, for us when Premier League clubs get involved, or if, even if there's a rumour that they're involved, then... The, the Lorient can use that to, 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 to cash. I mean, what I read was they wanted minimum 25 million euros. And it's like, well, see, I don't think he's worth that. I think he's worth between 15 and 20, 15 if you include Zeng. Um, but I, I rate him. Um, but I don't know. We Yeah, I've got doubts whether he can step up to, to European football level, like Champions League or, or Europa League. So we'll see. I like it. And I like the fact that yeah, we do need the nine, and and he's been in Niga. We know he can do the business. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see, guys. The, there's still a week to go in the transfer window, which is a really long time when the Premier League have already spent 340 million. Um, and it, anything could happen. Um, it could be that that McCourt has said to Longoyan Ribalta, they've had the chat, and they're like, mate, we're going to get banned, so let's spend the money now, and we won't be able to spend it this money this summer. So it's the same thing. Um, it could be that. We're anticipating again Guzzi sale this summer, and we're already spending the cash to to guarantee our um, uh, we've replaced him and, and certainly strengthened the, the the squad as well. So 
uh, it's nice to, to to be in a position where we're like, oh, we 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 are actually in the running for Trossard and um, and now Muffy, and it's like, oh, you know, we could never have dreamed of competing for this type of player and even actually paying for them two or three years ago. So hopefully we're making good steps forwards. Um, and with that, gentlemen, we will end it here. Um, guys, thanks a lot for coming. It's been nice. Um, it's, it's just nice to get a show on, I guess, but it's been nice to have some new faces. Um, we'll rotate, I guess, in the next few weeks. We'll try and be more regular. Um, thanks to everybody for listening, as usual. Um, I don't know if you guys want to say any any closing words. Go ahead. Apparently not. <laughs> yeah, Stefan was always first, so I was waiting for Stefan to say well. No, uh, thank you, Ben, for organizing uh, the podcast, for organizing the life of the uh, London OM fans group. Um, you were there, so you're a good president. Uh, thank you so thank much you. for having me, and um, I'll see you soon, I guess. Yeah, see you soon. Um, Steph, we hope to, well, we'll take you to, to the Villadrome, um in April, but um, hopefully you get to London before that and catch a game with us, mate. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, thanks for having us on. I was uh, I was waiting for Charles to go first, so that's what the uh, awkward <laughs> silence was, but that's okay. No, you guys will get used to it. I mean, that's that's the thing. When you listen to me, Stefan and Alex, it's just we're always talking over each other because we're just used to it. Um, but no, guys, we'll, we'll do this again, but um, thanks to everyone and Aleluim.